0: This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome to the 30th episode of this podcast. I hope everyone had a good holiday. I took the week off for the holidays. Actually,. I just didn't record an episode because I was busy researching stories for future episodes of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. And trust me, there's not a shortage of Notorious Bakersfield stories. There's enough to carry this podcast through 2022 and beyond. In 1972, a seven-year-old boy named Stephen Stainer was abducted while he walked home from school in Merced, California. His case drug on and went unsolved for so long, most people gave up any hope that Stephen would ever be found alive. In 1980, Stephen Stainer reappeared, alive. For over seven years, from age seven to fourteen, the boy had been held captive by a child predator named Kenneth Parnell. Since he'd been missing for such a long time and it seemed unlikely that he'd ever be found or found alive, his reappearance was huge news all over the state of California and the country. It was such a stunning story. NBC broadcast a two-part miniseries in 1989 about Stainer's ordeal titled, I Know My First Name is Stephen." You're probably asking yourself, Merced is over 150 miles from Bakersfield, almost a three-hour drive. Why is this a notorious Bakersfield story? This is the Bakersfield Connection, to that story. Stephen Stainer was born in 1965 to Delbert and Kay Stainer in Merced, California. He was the third of five children. He had three sisters and an older brother. On an early December afternoon in 1972, while walking home from school, seven year old Stephen was approached by a man named Everin Murphy. Murphy was passing out religious literature to the children walking home. Murphy asked the young Stainer boy if his mom had any household items she'd be willing to donate to the church. When Stainer said she did, Murphy told the boy he and his friend would give him a ride home. Pulling up in a car was a man named Kenneth Parnell. Young Stephen willingly got into the car with the two men. But rather than driving him to his home, Parnell took the boy to a cabin in Cathy's Valley, over 20 miles northeast of Merced. Now, I want to add here, by all accounts, Irvin Murphy, the man who first approached Stephen, was mentally challenged. He was described as being naive and simple-minded. Murphy and Parnell became acquainted through their jobs at a resort, in Yosemite, and Parnell claimed he was an aspiring minister. Parnell took advantage of Murphy's intellectual deficiency to enlist his help in abducting Stephen. Now, in the early days of the abduction, when Stephen repeatedly told Parnell that he wanted to go home, Parnell would tell him his parents gave him up. He'd say his parents had too many children and they couldn't afford Stephen. The boy accepted this explanation and settled into a life with and being molested by Kenneth Parnell. Parnell unofficially changed Stephen's name to Dennis Parnell. They moved frequently throughout Northern California. Parnell passed himself off as the boy's father and would use this new name to enroll Stephen at the various schools they'd moved to. Parnell would frequently leave Stephen alone and unsupervised, yet Stephen never made any attempt to escape his captivity. He simply accepted whatever Parnell told him as the truth. This went on for seven years, Stephen Stainer being sexually abused and the Stainer family never knowing what happened to their son and brother. Around the time Stephen reached puberty, Parnell decided he wanted a younger child, and the man used Stephen to attempt to kidnap other young boys. Yet each time, Stephen successfully sabotaged these abductions. Parnell believed Stephen was incompetent. It didn't dawn on him that Stephen was intentionally sabotaging these kidnappings. So Parnell enlisted the help of one of Stephen's teenage friends, and they were successful. On February 14th, 1980, they abducted five-year-old Timothy White from in front of his home in Ukiah, California. Timothy fought back. He wasn't docile or as accepting as, as Stephen was. He kicked and screamed while Parnell and his teenage accomplice grabbed the boy and forced him into Parnell's car. During the first few days of Timothy's captivity, Parnell used the same tactics and mind games he used on Stephen, telling the boy his parents gave Parnell custody of him, that his parents didn't want him. But this technique didn't work on young Timothy. He continued to be upset and cried for his parents frequently. The younger boy's distress bothered Stephen a great deal. He recognized that Timothy was suffering emotionally. It bothered Stephen so much so that on March 1st, 1980, two weeks after the younger child's kidnapping, while Parnell was away working the night shift as a security guard, Stephen and Timothy escaped. They hitchhiked into Ukiah. Stephen's original plan was to simply take Timothy back to his home, but the boy couldn't remember his address. So they found a police station, and Stephen had Timothy walk in by himself. When officers walked out to investigate who had brought the missing child to the police station, they saw Stephen. When they asked him his name, Stephen replied, I know my first name is Stephen, and that's how NBC came up with the title for their two-part miniseries. The two boys were reunited with their families that night, and Kenneth Parnell was under arrest by sunrise the next day. If there's a story that deserves, uh, and they lived happily ever after ending, it's this story. But sadly, that's not the case for any of the victims. For the seven years Stephen was held captive, he could do anything he wanted. Parnell imposed few boundaries on the boy's behavior. He could smoke and drink and... He went to school if he wanted to or didn't go to school if he didn't want to. So settling into a life with his family was a struggle. He went from doing whatever he wanted to all of a sudden having to conform to his parents' rules. It was a struggle for the entire family. Stephen also had trouble in school. He was bullied relentlessly and eventually dropped out. Stephen grew up got married, and had two children of his own. He worked low-wage jobs to support his family. But he dedicated himself to the effort of preventing child abductions. He talked to students and parents and school officials about child safety. In 1989, while coming home from his job at a pizza shop, Stephen's motorcycle was involved in a hit-and-run accident, and Stephen suffered fatal injuries. Over 500 people attended his funeral, and 14-year-old Timothy White, the boy Stephen helped escape their captivity, was a pallbearer. Here's another disturbing fact about Stephen Stainer's family. His older brother, Carrie Stainer, went on to become a serial killer. Carrie killed four females in and around Yosemite National Park in 1999. As if the Stainer family didn't have enough to deal with, Stephen's abduction, nobody knowing where he was for seven years. Then he reappears in 1980, only to be tragically killed in a motorcycle accident nine years later. Now his brother is a serial killer. There's a whole podcast that can be dedicated to that story, but it's just a sad, sad situation for For the entire family. Which brings me to Timothy White's life after the abduction. He went on to become a Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy, and like Stephen, Timothy White lectured at schools about child safety. Timothy got married and had two children of his own. Then on April 1st, 2010, Timothy White died from a pulmonary embolism. He was only 35 years old. Later that year, two statues, one in Merced and one in Ukiah, the hometowns of Stephen Stainer and Timothy White, were dedicated to the two. Now for their abductor, Kenneth Parnell. He was tried and convicted for both kidnappings and sentenced to seven years, but served only five. In his early 70s, Parnell was in poor health. He was suffering from several different ailments and required around-the-clock care. In 2003, Parnell tried coercing one of his caregivers into purchasing a young boy for him. The caregiver, aware of Parnell's criminal past, went to the police and helped them organize a sting operation, to arrest the elderly child predator. He was sentenced to 25 years to life and died in prison in 2008. Now, you're probably wondering, how does this have anything to do with Bakersfield? As you might have guessed, Stephen Stainer wasn't the first child Kenneth Parnell abducted and violated. He had a history of this, a history that went back decades, back to when he lived in Bakersfield. And I'll tell you about that history right after this. Hey folks, this is Robert Peterson, the creator and host of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. This podcast is an independent venture, meaning I'm doing this all on my own without any financial backing. And believe it or not, there's costs involved in producing this show. If you enjoy the Notorious Bakersfield podcast and want to show your support, you can buy me a cup of coffee or two. You can find the link to buy me a coffee in the show notes or go to NotoriousBakersfield.com. There's a link there too. I wanted to also take this opportunity to remind you to follow the Notorious Bakersfield podcast podcast on whichever app you use to listen to podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to take a few seconds to give it a five-star rating. Kenneth Parnell was born in Texas, but after his father abandoned the family, his mother came to Bakersfield. In Bakersfield, Parnell had several brushes with the law as a juvenile and young adult, from arson to auto theft. In March 1951, Parnell was living with his wife and infant daughter in the 1600 block of Virginia Avenue when he abducted an eight-year-old boy. Parnell spotted the child riding a bicycle near Kern General Hospital, just right around the corner from his home. Parnell got out of his car and told the boy he was a deputy sheriff, loaded the bicycle into his car, and abducted the child. Parnell drove the victim to the Kern Canyon area, where he molested the eight-year-old boy. He returned the victim back to the area of the hospital and released him. Three days later, Parnell was arrested for the abduction. During a hearing, Parnell not only admitted to the offense, but also said he considered strangling the child to death, but dropped that thought. The confessed sex offender was sent to Norwalk State Mental Hospital. In September of 1952, he escaped the hospital, but was captured. Then, about a month later, he escaped again, and this time was captured in Oklahoma. Parnell was returned to Kern County and sentenced to one year to life in prison. The psychiatrist who examined Parnell for the Kern County Superior Court said, quote, He has shown a peculiar tendency to search for trouble and punishment. Unquote. The sexual predator served three years in San Quentin Prison. In the 1960s, Parnell served six years in prison in Utah for robbery and grand larceny charges. And that takes him to the early 70s when he abducted Stephen Stainer and Merced in 1972. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the Santa Cruz Sentinel, the Associated Press, the Fresno Bee, and the book, I Know My First Name is Stephen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. Be sure to take a look at the Notorious Bakersfield social media pages where pictures related to this story and previous stories are posted. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Have a good week and Happy New Year again.